Tonight, uh, if I'd entitled this message, it would be Success in Life. And if you'd talk to a lot of people on the street and ask them what success in life would be, you'd probably get a lot of different answers from different people. Here's some of the answers you'd probably get. Success in life for me would be to win the lotto, huh? Win the lotto. Million dollars. Ten million, whatever. Winning American Idol, that's their dream. Winning America has talent. Having your own business. Being your own boss. And some people may say, I want to be famous. I want to be a famous basketball star like Michael Jordan, okay? Football star, baseball star, movie star, famous singer. I want to have enough money I can buy my own Learjet. Buy Rolls Royce, Mercedes Benz, Lamborghini, Jaguar. Have four or five Harley Davidsons in the garage. Have a mansion. Have a yacht. Wouldn't that be great? Huh? And there's a lot of books out there and seminars that people are, are doing, you know, at, uh, how to make money in the stock market. How to make money in real estate, which isn't a good idea right now. And, uh, how to start your own business. And you know, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money if you can control it. That it doesn't control you. First Timothy, it talks about that. It talks about money, okay? First Timothy, chapter 6, starting with verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we cannot carry anything out. So we brought nothing in this world, what the Bible says, and you can't take anything with you. Well, I heard of a story of a guy in California, millionaire. His last wish was to be buried in his Rolls Royce. So they did the embalming thing to him, and they set him behind the wheel in his Rolls Royce with a big cigar in his mouth, and they took a crane and lowered that Rolls Royce into the ground. He thought he took his, his money with him, didn't he? But you know, I don't think that Rolls Royce will do him any good where it's at. But one thing, he probably gets pretty good gas mileage right there. He's probably still on the same tank he was when he got down in there. But uh, you can't take your money with you. And it goes on to say, having food and clothing, let us be there content. But they that will be rich fall in temptation and a snare. What's a snare? That's a trap, isn't it? So it says right here, but they that will be rich fall in temptation and a snare. And uh, into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men to destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Did it say money was evil? No, it said, for the love, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced them through with many sorrows. Many sorrows. It says they, they, they erred from the faith. They got away from the faith because the money drew them away. And it says, goes on, says, But thou, O man of God, flee from these things and follow after righteousness, 
godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Stay away from the love of money. What saddens my heart is some of the, these things I see on TV. And it's not the worldly things, it's some of the religious things I see on TV. You see some of these uh, so-called Christian programs, and they're preaching health, wealth, prosperity. And they, some of them say, send in your seat of faith. Send me a $100 seat of faith, send me $500 in. Send me a $1,000 seat of faith and you will be blessed. You'll be healed. You'll be rich. They offer, they promise all these things. What did the Bible just say about it? Flee from these things, didn't it? Huh? But they're promoting this stuff that that's what every Christian should have. They should all be healthy. They should all be wealthy. And sometimes it's almost like one of these hour-long infomercials instead of God's Word being pre preached. You see no spiritual food in it. No Bible study. You don't hear the Bible scriptures in some of these religious programs. And when you see these things, red flags should go up. These are the type of people you want to turn the channel. Because the Bible says in the last days there will be a great falling away from the true faith, from the true Word of God. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're raving wolves. Well, if you've seen a sheep walking around through here, you wouldn't be too worried, would you? You might even want to go up and pet the thing. But you see a wolf in here snarling with its fangs showing, you'd want to watch out. And that's what Jesus here is talking about. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. They look innocent, harmless, but inwardly they're raving wolves. They're taking you away from the true word of God. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, it says, You will know them by their fruit, by their preaching, by their walk. Talk's cheap, isn't it? Anybody can say they're a Christian, but the walk is what you go by. By their fruit you will know them. And a lot of times on these religious programs, they have a, a special verse they like to share with people. It's in Luke chapter 6. And they quote verse uh, 38. And here's what they say to get you to send money to them. It says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, shall men give unto you. For with the same measure that you, you give, it shall be measured unto you, back. But you know, they're, they're teaching this give to get. Right here, given, it shall be given unto you. But they don't read the verses before that that would completely change the idea of how to give. Let me read these here and see if this gives a little different twist on what they're preaching about giving. And verse 34 says, And if you give to them whom you hope to receive, what good is that? For even sinners give to other sinners to receive again. But love your enemies. Do good and give hoping for nothing to gain. You hear that? Give hoping for nothing to gain, and your reward shall be great. 
See, that's the whole kicker. Why do people give money to some of these evangelists that say, send in your seed of faith and you'll be blessed? Well, a lot of them are sending their money in for the wrong reasons, aren't they? They're giving, expecting that they're going to get blessed. They're not giving to a ministry because the minister is preaching the Word of God and telling people about Jesus and telling people that they need to get saved. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of preachers out there that are preaching the Word of God. That's how I got saved, was listening to somebody on television preaching the true Word of God, and I started writing down all these scriptures. And I came to Christ at home at the age of 25, and He changed my life and my priorities. I'm the kid that used to hide in the restrooms of the church when my, when my mom made me go to church. So I wouldn't have to go to Sunday school classes. I was a kid that always get sick Sunday morning, always have a sore throat, make excuses so I wouldn't have to go to church. I was a poor speller, poor reader, didn't want to talk in front of anybody. I was shy and I stuttered. But the Lord changed my heart, my priorities, and there are preachers out there that preach the Word. But we got to be careful. You know them by their fruit. So people need to give for the right reasons, not just to get. And there's another verse in the Bible. It's James chapter 4, verse 3. And it says, You ask and receive not. You ask for God for things, and you receive not, because you, may cons- you want them to consume them on your own lust. You want them for your own self, your own selfish desires. That's why you don't have them. Is money always a blessing? No, not really. Look in Mark chapter 10, verse 25, it says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Does that kind of turn you away from wanting to be rich? It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God? Whoa! Down in verse 27 it says, But with God all things are possible through Jesus Christ. Yes, you can be rich, you can be famous, you can be all them things and come to Christ. But I think what the Lord's telling us here, you know, if you have a nice house, nice car, big expensive boat, and you're living on the lake, what are you going to do Sunday morning when it's real sunny out? The lake's nice and peaceful, and you got that brand new boat sitting out there along the pier Sunday morning when you're thinking about going to church. Do you have that temptation to take that boat out? Or you hear the fish are biting. They're fishing. Fish are biting. Everybody's catching their limits. What are you going to do Sunday morning? Huh? You're going to have that temptation? So a lot of times we can't handle being rich. When we get a lot of money and things, it pulls us away from God and our Bible gets dusty on the shelf. Our priorities change sometimes when we become rich. And the Lord knows our hearts. and Maybe that's why I'm no millionaires, because uh, the Lord knows I can't handle it. I'd be out there in my new car or my new boat and uh, having fun and leaving the Bible on the shelf. Yeah, the love of money can pull us away from Jesus Christ, from God. Things, things and money can pull us away. They're a trap and a snare, just like we read. I want to share a testimony I heard of a guy, a famous basketball player. 
Now, a lot of you probably don't know of this guy because this is back in the 70s, okay? This is back when I was a teenager, okay? There was a guy named Pistol Pete Maravich. How many ever heard of Pistol Pete Maravich? Wow, more than who I thought. Okay, I'll give you a little history about Pistol Pete. He was a famous basketball star in the 70s, okay? He was an all-time leading scorer at uh, Louisiana State University. He had the highest scoring game by a guard in the NBA history. He scored 68 points in one game. He was three-time All-American. And I heard his testimony on the radio once, and it touched me. And I, I sent away for his cassette on that testimony. I listened to it again. I took some notes, and I'm going to tell you a little bit what he said about his life story. He said, when I was seven years old, my dad said, Pete, if you want to go to college, you're going to have to get a scholarship because going to college costs a lot of money, and I don't have that kind of money to send you to college. But if you keep playing basketball, and you keep playing to where you're good enough. You may be able to play pro, pro ball. And if your te team wins the championship, they will say you're the world's best. They'll give you a big diamond ring. They'll pay you big money. Then you can retire. And you'll have everything you ever wanted to do and be able to do anything you ever wanted to do. So he worked hard, hard as he could. He had his goal set in life, and you know he did it. In the 70s, he had millions of dollars. He said he had a Learjet. He'd fly around in Europe all over the place. He shook the president's hand. He drove every car that you could imagine. The Rolls-Royce, Mercedes, limos, Porsche, Jaguars, Lincolns, Cadillacs, you name it. He said he drove them all. He had them all. But he said that his life was empty. And he was still searching for happiness. And he got into yoga, Hinduism, hypnosis, meditation, karate. He got in other types of religions. But he said there was no happiness no true happiness, no fulfillment in life. And he said everywhere he went, he had to leave because it became so empty. Life became so empty. And he said one day in 1982, he said his wife was talking to him. He says, Pete, what are you doing, Pete? You haven't been out of the house for two weeks. Are you okay? And he says, I'm doing fine. But he said that night, laying in bed, he tossed and turned. And he remembered all the things he did. All the bad things he had done in his life. How wild he was when he was younger. How he was chasing all the women. Getting stoned and cursing at God. And he remembers back 20 years ago when he was 18 years of age. And he remembers him and his wild buddy named John went to a three-day basketball camp at Campus Crusade for Christ, a Christian basketball camp. Him and his wild buddy went to it at 18 years of age. 
And every day at that camp, they played basketball. And every day at that camp, they had a Bible study, a Bible message. And the last day of that camp, Pistol Pete's buddy, Wild Buddy John, got up, was going to go forward, accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. And Pete remembers, he grabbed him and says, What are you doing? What in the world are you doing, John? Are you crazy? Sit back down. But you know, John went forward. He accepted Christ as his Lord and his Savior. And Pete remembers that he also had a tug that day. A tug. The Holy Spirit tugging his heart, saying, you need to get right. But he was too proud. And he just stayed there. But that night, laying in bed, 20 years later, after hearing the gospel, he came to Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior when he's laying in that bed. He asked Jesus Christ to forgive him of his sins, to be his Lord and his Savior. And the Lord changed him that night. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are all passed away. Behold, all things. How many? All things are become new when you come to Christ. Changes life, his priorities. He said, I had a new joy I never had before. I have that peace that I never had before, and I can't explain it with words, he says. And he said also, money can buy you anything but happiness and to pay your fare to anywhere but heaven. And I have this little track. It looks like a $100 bill. And I want to read just a few things. This talks about money. What money will buy? Money will buy a bed, but not sleep. It'll buy books, but not brains. It'll buy food, but not an appetite. It'll buy refinery, but not beauty. It'll buy a house, but not a home. It'll buy medicine, but not health. It'll buy amusement, but not true happiness. It'll buy a crucifix, but not a savior. It'll buy a church pew, but not heaven. You know, I was looking on the internet a little bit last night and found some things on there to add to my message just the last few days. It had a, uh, they were talking about rich and famous people in foreclosure, people losing their homes. Rich and famous people. Ever hear of Nicolas Cage? Famous actor. He's one of them. Aaron Morgan. Morgan. She's an actor from Happy Days. She was Richie's sister. Lisa Hartwell, actor from Real Housewives. Lenny Dykstra, Major League Baseball pro. Veronica Hurst, widow of Randolph Hurst. And I have another list of uh, rich and famous people. And I want to ask you how being rich and famous affected their lives? Was it a blessing 
You tell me. I'm going to start naming names. You tell me whether this being rich and famous helped them and blessed them in their life. Grammy-winning singer Amy Winehouse joined a long list of artists who died at the age of 27. And uh, it's called the Cursed. Curse of 27. Here's a few more people that died at the age of 27. Young. Very young. Jimi Hendrix, age of 27, died. Choked on his own vomit after taking sleeping pills and wine. What a way to go, huh? Jimmy Morrison, lead singer of The Doors, was said that he died of a heroin overdose. Brian Jones, founder, founding member of the Rolling Stones. They think he was murdered. They found him dead in his swimming pool. Janis Joplin was known as the queen of rock and roll. Died of heroin overdose. Rocker Kurt Cobain was found dead by his wife, Courtney Love. After locking himself into a closet with a gun, they ruled it was suicide by a shotgun. I named a few of them that died at the age of 27. There's at least 40 of them on the Internet site. Six of them were shot. Two other ones were caused by suicide. Here's some more rich and famous people that died, I'd say, at an early age. Was their life... A happy, fulfilled life. We're talking about Michael Jackson. We're talking about Elvis. David Carradine, actor from Kung Fu. He hung himself in a closet. Phil Hartman from Saturday Night Live died at the age of 49. His wife murdered him, shot him three times. Then she shot herself. Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live funny man, died at the age of 33, drug overdose. Just within the last week, July 25th, Jarek Peterson, Olympic skier, shot himself, suicide. Actor Heath Ledger, died of a drug overdose at 28. He just missed a 27 curse. And how about some of these famous people are still alive? I wonder how happy they are. How about Tiger Woods? How happy is him and his family? How about Chrisley Lohan? How about O.J. Simpson? How about Bernie Madoff? And the list goes on. There's something you see on bumper stickers, t-shirts. It says, he who dies with the most toys wins. What did these people win? They didn't win, did they? I have a shirt that says, He who dies with the most toys still dies. And then it has a Bible verse on it. It's Mark chapter 8, verse 36. It says, For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Here's what Jesus says. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths and rust do corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. For where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Where's your heart? In worldly things or godly things? You say you can't take it with you, but that verse kind of says you can. You can build up treasures in heaven where neither moths or rust do corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. For where your heart is, where your priorities are at, that's where your treasures are at. Jesus fills the void that we try to fill with earthly things. A lot of people try filling this void with drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex, and the list goes on. Wealth, money, cars. Fills that, try to fill that void. But Jesus fills the void we try to fill with earthly things. And here's an awesome scripture here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. We cannot even comprehend. We don't have a clue what God has in store for the ones He loves. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says this, The things which are seen are temporary. Everything you see in here is temporary. It says everything which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. That's your soul. Everything in here, our bodies are temporary. Have you seen anybody that's 160 years old? No. This body's temporary. My grandma lived to be 108. She outlived two of her own kids. But she did die. And she loved the Lord, and I know she's in heaven. But everything in here is temporary except your soul. And if you die today, where would it be? You know, God's will and goal for our life is not to always make us healthy. Not always to make us wealthy. His goal in our life isn't always to make us happy. But God's will and goal for us is to make us more like Him. And maybe you're here for a reason. That God's trying to wake you up. I've talked to many of people here. And they said the most blessed thing ever happened in their life was ending up here in jail. They said if they were still outside, they, they might even be dead by now. But they got saved in the Cass County Jail. And sometimes it takes the rough roads and the trials and tribulations to wake us up and start looking to Jesus instead of the worldly things that corrupt us and draw us away. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. John three sixteen through 18, it says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world may be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, 
But he that believeth not is condemned already. 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 Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We're going to be closing here pretty quick. And uh, every time I come to this jail, I want to leave with this story. If you heard me preach, you pretty well heard this story. Yeah, somebody shaking your head. About the cats. About the two cats. Okay. Well, we're going to tell it again because there's a lot of wisdom in this story. Like I say, I've been coming here about 20 years, and I've talked to a lot of people. And here's what I hear. Gary, while I'm here in jail, I'm doing good. I'm coming to the Bible studies. I'm reading the Bible. And I say I'm never coming back to the Cass County Jail. Never. But you know, I'm in and out. I'm in and out. I'm always coming back. What can I do that I'll never come back again? And I tell this story. It's a story about an old missionary. And he'd be, he, he towed his Bible on horseback. This is four cars. And he'd go from Indian village to Indian village telling the Indian people about Jesus. That was his burden. That was his mission field. And one day he was talking to the Indian chief about Jesus Christ. And the old Indian chief got saved. He asked Jesus Christ in his heart to be his Lord and his Savior. Awesome. So while the missionary, he leaves. And he goes on to other villages. And about three months later, he comes back to the same village. And one night, he's sitting by, by the old Indian chief, by the fire. And he asks the old Indian chief, how is it being a Christian now? And here's what the Indian chief said. He says, it's great. The load of sin I used to always carry, it's gone. Jesus took it away. The sins are gone. The load. And I have a peace that I've never had before. The peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. And I know if I die today, I'd be in heaven. I'm not afraid of death like I was. But he said, there's two cats inside of me. And they fight. They fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. They're fighting. And the missionary says, what in the world are you talking about two cats inside of you? Well, the Indian chief says, one cat represents the old me, the flesh, the flesh that I'm still in. And it says, let's do these things. Let's get in trouble. Let's do the old things. And the other cat represents the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ living with inside of me. And he says they fight from the time I get up in the morning. Till the time I go to bed. And the missionary asks him, well, which cat usually wins? This is a kicker, the whole story. The Indian chief says, the one I feed the most wins. The one I feed the most wins. So you get out of this jail. 
You don't go back to the old mud hole of friends maybe it got you into here. I don't know what your situations are. I don't know if it's alcohol, drugs, that's usually most of the problems, okay? And they get around the same old group in the same old mud hole doing the same old stuff, getting away from the Lord, not going to church. You need to get rid of all that. Find find a good Bible-believing church. Find some good Christian friends in that Bible-believing church. When they see you starting to go astray, they say, oh, hey, no, you're going the wrong way. Get back here. Get back here. Start feeding the Spirit instead of the flesh. You need to do that. And that's how you stay out of this Cass County jail. It's you feed the Spirit instead of the flesh because the flesh is strong. The flesh has its things it wants to do all the time. But you got to feed the Spirit. It's just like a weightlifter. I have a buddy It's a professional bodybuilder. And you know, if he doesn't eat the right foods, them muscles aren't going to be there. He isn't in shape anymore. He's on the front cover of some of these muscle magazines. And he has to eat every two hours specific foods to keep this body, his temple, in shape. And we, as Christians, have to keep that body, that temple, in shape. That spiritual food. Pump up spiritually. Memorize the Word of God. Pray to the Lord. Become stronger and stronger in Jesus Christ. And you know, if you never ask Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, guess how many cats you have controlling your life? you got one. And it's the flesh. And you have no power over Satan. You may think you got control of your life, but you're like a puppet on a string. Satan can pull the strings. He knows all your weak spots. He all knows all the temptations, and he'll put them right under your nose. So you need to get right with Jesus Christ. Maybe he's tugging on the door of your heart tonight. And I'm asking you this. If you would die today, do you know for sure, without a doubt, you'd be in heaven? If you don't know for sure, chances are you're on your way to hell. Because here's a scripture I'm going to tell you. It's in 1 John 5.13. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, know that you have eternal life. You can know it. So if you don't know it for sure, and the Lord's tugging, we're going to give an altar call here. And I got these booklets called Knowing God Personally. And I can share you out of the Word of God in just a few minutes. We'll say a sinner's prayer together. And you can leave here a new person in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus Christ says in Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. Is he knocking? Is he tugging? Is the Holy Spirit tugging tonight? Romans chapter 3, or Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 But God commended His love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Tonight's the night to choose. 
In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua says this, Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, this altar call separates men from the boys. It's a time when pride may keep you sitting on that chair when you really should be coming forward. Matthew 10.32 and 10.33 says, If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. We're tired playing games. It's time to get right with Jesus. It's your soul at stake. Like I say, it's the only thing eternal in this room is our souls. We pray sometimes that the Lord will change our circumstances. But maybe the Lord wants these circumstances to change us. To get us right with Him. So, as this song plays, the Lord's tugging on your heart. Come forward. Get right with Jesus. It's the best decision you can ever make. I was 25 years old when I made that choice. Never regret it. And the Lord's blessed so abundantly. I'm no millionaire but He's provided everything I need, everything I wanted. I'm completely satisfied with Jesus Christ. And how many of these celebrities can say that? How many? So as the song plays, the Lord's tugging, come on up forward.